Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello, welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast. I'm Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com. And uh, I'm Josh Gardner, I'm the editor of RubbishShipWatch.com, otherwise known as that bloke who swore like a doctor in the last podcast. That's right, it was a disgrace. But anyway, we move forward (laughs) this week, quite a lot to talk about, a big weekend in in Europe, Josh. It certainly was. You can relive all of that, you can relive the full Pro 12 embarrassment. Well, it wasn't entirely embarrassing, I mean... Well, we'll come on to that. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about some people who have left us, one in very tragic circumstances. And Indeed. One, one because we all knew it was coming, and we'll come on to that. We'll talk about the arrival of Eddie Jones, mm. um, which is interesting. Very if you asked me last week, would it be a good thing? I, I would have said yes, and then I heard his first speech, but we'll, <laughs> his first interview. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll come to that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk, we'll talk about doping. Yes. Because um, Wales is once again in the spotlight on doping and rugby generally, but we'll talk about that in more detail as well. We'll have how the hell did he get a cap? <laughs> and we'll also have another person going into, or put, well, actually, it's more than one person, I'll come on to that later, going into <laughs> the new Dirty Get Indeed. Hall of Fame. It's We're going to talk about all of that this week. Are you ready to do this, Josh? I am indeed. We've got a lot to get through, so uh, yeah, let's crack on. Let's crack on. Joni Lomu then. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? It's, it's been like, well, we're recording this on Tuesday, so it's been a week now since since 
I found out anyway and and it's just really sad and it's really affected me because like I was 10 years old in 1995 and like he is rugby for people like me like the impact that he had on on my sort of perception of rugby and what a rugby player could be and like the size the pace the power the skill all of that stuff like it came from that moment that he burst onto the scene in, in the 95 World Cup and, and it really pointed the way to what to what rugby would become later I guess yeah and I think um People use the term; they're going to use the term "legend" a lot about him and stuff like that. And we we understand that, and and that is an over. People always make the point "legends" overused, and it is. But yeah. I don't want to make that point. I don't want to make that point again. What I would say is, I think terms that are overused generally in sports reporting and all that kind of stuff are words like "spectacular" yeah. and "incredible." You know, people say every week that's an incredible pass. It's like, well, that's the fourth time you've said it this afternoon, <laughs> so it can't be that incredible, exactly. can it? And actually, it, it it was a miss one. So, you know, calm down. But actually, <laughs> Lomu remains, even all this time ahead, when you watch his highlight videos and stuff, remains incredible. Yeah, he 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 was like no other rugby player before him. And lots of players, like we've we've often, like we're guilty in rugby quite a lot of using the, oh, he's the new Jonah Lomu tag on people <laughs> like Surveyor and George North and you can go back and back. and But there is no no new Jonah Lomu because there will only ever be one Jonah Lomu and that's him and and he was completely unlike he transcended our sport in a way that that totally like changed yeah. the perception like what's yeah, really, abs- what's really interesting to me like now that we've had sort of a few days to, to process this all is that the reaction that I've had from people who've got no interest in rugby whatsoever like I work in an yeah. office with with exactly zero rugby fans I know how that feels. Yeah. yeah, apparently, music journalism and rugby obsession is a Ven- the Venn diagram consists of me and my good mate Hugh, and that is literally it. <laughs> but, um, but like, like nobody there knows the first thing about the sport, and then they at best watch it casual- casually, if at all. But like, over the last few days, like as I've sort of seen people who've been off and stuff, like like four or five people who've got no interest in the sport have been like, oh. Dreadful news about Jonah Lomu, wasn't it? I think it's the fact um, he's so young, and it's that there's something about that in, incredible looking, indestructible looking physical physical specimen yeah. going, isn't there? I yeah. mean, the, the, a question a question I'm always interested in asking, and I always ask people this is, you know, in '95 when he turned up, he was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, would he be as effective now? Is a question I often find myself thinking, and the answer is. Yes, of course yeah, he bloody would. He absolutely would. He would be the best winger in the world today, comfortably. Like Yeah. Cuz who's as big as him now? No one. Exactly. Who's as fast as him? Like how many wingers out there are 6 foot 5 and 19 stone and can run 100 meters in 10 seconds? That's that and and also have a rugby brain. And are not just sprinters and are not just big lads, but you know, he knew when to pass, he knew when to step, and yeah. so few wingers know how to do that. And he knew how to time his that that arced run he used to do oh, off the wing. God, it was yeah. absolutely hilarious, to be honest, in a way, because you knew everybody knew it was coming. Yeah, and there was fuck all you could do about it. <laughs> well, it's that everybody sort of, knew it was coming. Yeah, and 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 for all of the sort of the complexity of the game, I mean, defenses are tighter, players are bigger, all that sort of stuff. You you. Well, he'd be even better then, wouldn't he? Well, exactly. Because you'd need somebody like him, wouldn't you? Yeah, he's like then, he'd be like Nandolo, but better. 
Yeah, well, quick, Much uh, better, but not slow, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, and don't get me wrong, Surveyor's a cracking player, but and his try scoring rate is incredible and all that sort of stuff, but and he does amazing things on the rugby field, but at no point does he do anything that sort of sets yeah. your heart going in the way that Journey used to all the so, time. I mean, weirdly, his cause of death looks like it's been some kind of blood clot, they reckon, through a yes. flight, don't they? Which yeah. is just... I mean, if it had been the disease he struggled with all his life, you could kind of understand that, but this makes it even, well, just even more tragic, really. It's awful. Well, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, you don't know if... I, I'm not. A, I'm very much not a doctor, but, I mean, you do wonder if being on dialysis every week for the last no, few don't years... No, don't fancy doing a PhD in shirt studying or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no, I, funny enough, you there you aren't could be many that, universities you? that operate that. I mean, I, I think... Give it a, time. Yeah, the way I, the I higher education system in this country goes... If, if you the can do golf course management... Anglia or some, well, quite. University of East Anglia will have it within a year. Uwick would definitely have it. Uwick, <laughs> God. Good. You always had a good rugby team, Uwick, though. you got to give did. them that. You had a good I, rugby team. I went to It's Cardiff almost Cardiff, like they weren't so. that bothered about the academic side of things. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, definitely That's not. University of Wales Institute, Cardiff, by the way. Yes, Which, ironically, is. wasn't even in Cardiff. Well, bits of it weren't. Uh, right, so that's Lomu gone. You know, yeah. terribly sad thing. Another really is. person gone from New Zealand is a, is a certain Mr. McCaw. Indeed. I mean, it's it's been it's kind of funny the way that like obviously when Jonah passed, people were rightfully sort of saying you know he is the the best of all time, and then you know the day later, McCaw retires and people are like, yeah he's the best of all time and it's like well <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep saying that as play. I mean how many players over the last doesn't change the fact though does it That's no it doesn't I change mean, the fact honest, that he's definitely one of the best players of all time the number of people particularly Australians who say it through gritted teeth you know yeah alright fine he's the best of all time but yeah. I don't do it that way I think he actually he was the best of all time he was a disgusting and disgraceful cheat at times <laughs> that's his but, job you know that was his jo- that is the seven's job the job exactly. description we, we, all, we, all, we all know that and he was brilliant yeah, he's he's the best seven, certainly in my lifetime, probably of all time, and definitely of the professional era. And, and, and I've, I've said before, it's a sign of his class that his consistency went to his haircut as well. Yes, the consistency exactly. of the man's haircut over a fifteen-year period is is, is unrivaled. The thing that always weirded me out, almost weirded me out a little bit too much at the. Um, at his retirement press conference actually was that he looked like he'd had a bit of product in it. Which I'm oh. really, I'm really. No, I won't used. have that. Exactly. I'm not having it. It, it. it looked there was a there was a almost styling going involved, and and generally McCaw's haircut looks like he woke up that way, and it's just rugged straight up in the air, you know. And, and it, yeah, it was slightly disconcerting. Maybe that's his way of saying I'm moving on to the next phase in my life. Here's some he's turned, um, hair wax. He's turned down the chance to go to Europe, which would have been a very easy cash yeah. in for him but I, th- I think but it, again it's a spectacularly McCall thing to do well, it's, it? it's if, his heart, if his heart wasn't in it he wouldn't he, why he doesn't no. need the money so why because of course not and that's the thing he is you know arguably the greatest all black ever he's got all of these honours and awards he's made a truckload of money and now he's like why he doesn't fancy you, why playing you, in Leicester for the yeah, next why two would years. you why would you tarnish that by going and playing in Europe for a couple of years to make a couple of million quid when you know, you might, you know, you could do a George Smith and continue to be brilliant, and he probably would. But like, I don't know. It, it would. I feel think he's sli- got a few more bob in the bank than George Smith. Well, exactly. Know. But it would just feel slightly beneath him. Like I, I, I met Richie just before the World Cup started, and had this thing in London. And like, 
he's he's a, as nice a chap as you would like I only talked to him for a minute or so because I was too busy sort of being a massive fangirl but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I literally said about four words but like he's just really quiet and polite and he's really pleasant and, and he's not even the biggest guy in the world but he's just got this presence that he is a leader and he is unlike everybody else that is in the room with you because he's just were those four, were those, were those four words where you get on side <laughs> I think they were actually uh, hi Richie nice to meet you good luck in the World Cup <laughs> And then I shook his hand. Oh, you knocked him bandy there, Josh. <laughs> I, I, I had him bang the right, I really did. Um, yeah. But of course, he's, a, he's off to be a commercial helicopter pilot now, he which is, again which is, the, is probably the most McCaw thing It in is the, world the most McCaw thing ever. It's like he's doing like an incredibly... like He could do... like Any team in the world would have Richie yeah. McCaw as a coach tomorrow. Yeah. Literally anyone from the All Blacks down. If Richie McCaw said... But he's I'd decided like to, to be the New Zealand version of a bus driver. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's like... It's it's such a like obviously it's a slightly more exciting job than like you know going on the bins or whatever but like to to have to just decide like right I've become perhaps the greatest All Black of all time probably the great one of the greatest players in the history of rugby and definitely probably the greatest captain in the history of rugby so uh, yeah no I'm just gonna go and just ferry people and shit around in a helicopter because <laughs> why not because why not yeah but I think. The interesting thing for me, I think air traffic control must be shitting themselves <laughs> because it's going to take him 10 minutes, or probably about five years of his career to work out that he actually has to go where they tell him to go, exactly. unlike the refs. <laughs> Helicopter 7, can you please move out of there? Helicopter 7, can you move out? No, really, we mean him, move out of there. You can imagine going be... back to him, can you? Are you, are you sure the other heli- helicopters, are you watching him? Is he not doing the right thing? Yeah. What about that 747 ref? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah exactly. Seriously, ref, take a look at it. So that's McCaw. So, yeah, you know, this is fantastic legend and good luck to him. I I think it's brilliant. I'm glad it's ended this way. I really Yeah, am, me actually. too. I'm glad he didn't hang around for the Lions because, A, I would quite like the Lions to not get dicked. And. Well, this is going to make no difference to that. You're fully well, exactly. That. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't help. Doesn't help, does it? Anyway, but... I ban all lions talk until the end of the season before a lions tour. <laughs> I, think that's I made very a point on the, on, the, on the blog in the last tour. I said I'm not doing any of those pretend teams. None of that. It, it pisses me off. It does. It's the most pointless bloody foxtrot that they do. These people. When you have World Cup finishing and the next day you have lions fifteens and potential the lions like, too. Come on, yeah. guys. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So. Speaking of Lions and, and other national teams, uh, mm. Mr. Eddie Jones has arrived for England. Indeed, we talked last. We tried to do. We tried to record this last week. I'll confess to you people out there, but we had a technical uh, nightmare. It was. Well, it was almost like we don't really know what to do. What we're doing. <laughs> it's almost, it's, it, was, it was. Apparently, incredible. I sounded like I was on auto tune, which many bands that I've been in over the years would probably have wished. Was it, yeah, the it was. Case, it was like but... having an hour-long conversation with Cher. <laughs> but, um, do you believe in life basically... after love? <laughs> well, don't we all? Uh, so anyway. I believe in life after Stuart Lancaster, Damn Eddie right. Jones. You see what I did there, Stuart? Yeah, that was did that's like that? a proper scene. Now, that's that a top, top link. That's broadcasting. Anyway, top broadcasting probably shouldn't tap, pat ourselves on the back yeah. quite so enthusiastic about it. I Eddie, don't know, yeah. So Eddie Jones is here. Interestingly, yes. a friend of mine, a friend of mine who goes to a lot of these sportsmen's dinners and, and does a bit of networking and works in the city and stuff. He was at a dinner. Oh, just after the World Cup. Just one. Well, no, sorry, just after England were kicked out of the World Cup, and he was speaking mm. to a former England international, a very uh, accomplished former England international, who basically just said Eddie Jones is getting the job. 
Right. So it seems the conversations have been. I mean, mate actually said put some money on it because Jones was nine to one then. I I, I didn't because I, I well whatever, but I, I just didn't. But um, it seems that the conversations have been going on for quite a while now. I mm. thought that would have meant that, especially given that Jones came out a week before he was appointed to say central contacts are needed, foreigners yeah. are needed. What was that? And then about? within a week he's appointed, and I thought, well, obviously he's got all this sorted before he's appointed. And then what did he say in his in his first interview? Well, that was the weird thing, wasn't it? It was like I just. Like I, I just yeah. What what what's he yeah, thinking? Mystified. I can see where you're going with it. Like, yeah. We when we spoke last week about this, we, you said quite rightly so that there was no way that you thought he was going to take the job unless the RFU gave him what he wanted and gave him assurances about foreign players and central contracts and all these things that he'd said publicly like a week before. And then the first thing he does when he gets the job is reaffirm the foreign player rule and talk about how he wants to be best buddies with the clubs. Because it, cause it seems that obviously the thing that he really wanted was a gold pig every exactly. month he just his literally... salary. And he's willing to do anything for that. Well, exactly. It's like... I, I'd rather he just... <laughs> yeah. I'll like... believe anything you tell me, RFU. Just keep exactly. the money coming. I mean, I'm sure he'll say now that he's got a close-up look at the setup and all that shit that he feels differently. But, but I'd rather like it just seemed, seemed like he'd had his opinions entirely cleansed by one of Rob Andrews' extra vigorous cash enemas. So, well, <laughs> how do you? And I think what I'm beginning to realise is is that obviously everyone who talks to Rob Andrew comes out of there believing exactly what he said so he's, he's obviously a Jedi he's basically like the hood in Thunderbirds which is a bit of a left field reference but yeah he's I got don't even know of... what that is oh well <laughs> I'll have to I'll leave that one to you <laughs> but like he's got that yeah it's like people meet nobody him nobody spots the... that he's completely shite I can't no. I can't work it out the fact it's that like... he's in charge of elite play development and we've had no seven for ten years doesn't seem to be his fault apparently yeah but like I can understand why he sort of like I'm not surprised that he was talking about wanting to work with the clubs because, like, the uh, the one significant achievement of Rob Andrews' bafflingly long time in charge of England has been the peace and harmony that he's created between the clubs and the RFU. Yeah. And he was never going to let Jones endanger that, and certainly not on the first day of the job. But the foreign player rule, like, that's a bad rule. Like, everyone bar the All Blacks gets that now, and the All Blacks can only do it because they have a production line and development pathway that's better than anybody else on earth. Like, I also think that I think and maybe it could be just trying to look on the bright side maybe it could be that they've basically said look don't piss the premiership clubs off in your first week Yeah, we know it needs doing but just go out there and say you think everything's brilliant and you're willing to work with whatever they've got and then you know give it after the Six Nations then we'll say look we've not done as well as we thought again we can't get foreign players again and, and then we can talk about what you want to do Eddie maybe I guess so I, I, I kind of hope so, but it just makes him look like such a hypocrite already, and that's just a bad way to start a job. It's not you know? good, is it? No, and like, yeah. especially... I don't mean makes... anything I say. Hello, everybody. Exactly. And like, so in, in being sort of slightly, like, cheeky with it, with the journalists and being like, oh, you know, it was different when I was being paid to write opinion in a paper and blah 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 and it's like well no because I want to believe that you actually believe what you say mate and I think the journalist must be quite pleased that he showed a human emotion in a press conference well, yeah, like, that's true, after actually. Stuart Lancaster for four years <laughs> <laughs> but you look at the way that like Abendon and Strattelman played at the weekend and you just think like it just makes him look a fool to be saying that because you were telling me that we're like, going to come on to this later but that Osprey yeah. defence made David Strattel look very very good they did we'll get on to that but but like, are you, are you telling me that both of those players wouldn't make England much better right now? Because I, I think, think they probably would. 
I think a Bendenham would. I mean, uh, without going into the details, I think Watson should play fullback <laughs> anyway. But that's an entirely yeah. different angle because yeah, no, I know Brown's decent, but if you Watson's, well, yeah. I'll leave that there. But, but um, like the one good his... thing that he did say though is that he wants to groom an English successor, so that you'd hope that he he picks a bright young thing from the Premiership and and gets Borthwick and somebody else in there, and then like at least when it all oh, explodes I in. Go, oh, I can't go back to having Borthwick's post-match. Interviews again. <laughs> Jesus, no, please. England fans out there, do we want Borthwick's interview? <laughs> I've got if he no makes idea. your forwards really good, though, you'll probably take it, though, won't you? Well, I suppose he did a job. Yeah, he did a job. Well, he, he, did well, a good he, job. he created better forwards than England had, didn't he? Exactly. In his last job. But, I mean, in terms of that, then, moving on to that with Jones, what are his top three priorities? Captain? He's yeah. decided who his captain is. Christ. Still be Rob Shaw? You're Welsh on the outside looking in. Is, is it still Rob Shaw, do you think? Honestly, like. When you think about it, it's no wonder that England appeared to lack composure and leadership at key moments during that World Cup because there are no outstanding candidates in the current squad, in my opinion, for no. captain. There really aren't. Like you look around it and you just like like I, 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 I get these weird bookies emails that tell me odds about things I don't give a fuck about, but occasionally they, they say something quite good and like apparently Brown is the bookie's favourite for captain at the moment and that's that would a be ridic- a terrible decision that's an absolutely ridiculous idea <laughs> like yes he's passionate but like that passion boils over into shithousery at least like, twice a game if not more yeah that's like putting Guy Fawkes in charge of your dynamite <laughs> well exactly I mean and Farrell's apparently in the running as well and he's not guaranteed his place and he also has massive potential and for he has shithousery. a head <laughs> <laughs> and have the haircut yeah I think Brown is you know that on the field by leadership demonstrate by leadership thing mm. given the fact there is no outstanding candidate in terms of brain and tactician no. I can see where they're coming from but you can't yeah. have a captain who does interviews like that you just no, can't do exactly. it you've got to have somebody who can keep their head I, in a way I admire him I admire him yeah. in a way for going I've got no time for this piss off and leave me alone basically yeah, you, is what you he admire said his I admire passion. him for that yeah. you can't be a captain for, no, of any you, team never mind England you can't be a captain of any team exactly I, mean, I think really, you've got to Really, there's only one candidate. Like he's experienced, he's got a vocal leader, he's got experience of captain in his club. I know. Oh god! It, oh god! It's oh James god, Haskell, oh god, isn't god. it? Oh I mean... god! I knew that, was <laughs> that is cruel. I know. You know, you're not the first first person to have said that as a kind of short term interim it's, measure, it's but that will mean he plays idea. every game, which is I know, just and he can't do that. So because... soul shattering for me to yeah. think that I can't actually bring myself to do it. I, I can't see him doing it, but. Joe Launchbury's been touted as well, but I can't see that either. He's a great player. He's a really great player. But he just seems so quiet and insular and like... Yeah. I don't know. I, he just doesn't carry himself like a they're leader. Talking about, they're talking about Itodji, which... Uh, Too he's early, only, he's, only, he's, he's only his first season now, isn't he? Exactly. Like, he needs to be involved in the setup, but if you bring him in out of nowhere with a handful of, you know, a season or so of top-flight rugby under his belt and tell him to be captain of England Jesus Christ how can you possibly cope yeah, with it that doesn't level work. of pressure it, it doesn't work in any sport Graeme Smith the South African cricket captain is the exception that proves the rule exactly. doesn't work he was appointed at 22 mm-hmm. with a few caps and he was brilliant and that's yeah. it That that's your once in a hundred years person that's going to work well arguably every, arguably Warburton as well like Warburton was yeah, was 22 and and but Warburton is a very he different. He did try and do a spine, spine, a spine tangling DDT on somebody. Well, exactly, and he did have, and that's the thing. He he's he's grown into the captaincy, and he's a. Well, that was never a red, of course, was it, Josh? Never. Of course not. It was shameful. 
But like, so there's the, there's the captaincy, I think, which is yeah. I think Tom I Wood. Mean, Tom Wood is the only cap person I think uh, in that squad. Everyone that seems actually, to hate him, though. Of course they do because his own team hate him. <laughs> well, yeah, thing. but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think he hates them. They, everybody hates him because he has very exacting standards for them and of himself, and he's a good player. But yeah. is he even guaranteed a start? I mean, we could get into the back row debate and who on earth England picking that back row before we get on to picking a captain. Really, I'd have Tom I mean, Croft back. I know that much. Yeah, I mean. He's a dynamic six. I think you've got to stick with Unipola at eight, although Nathan Hughes, certainly after the weekend, should probably be in the conversation. Well, this Brendan O'Connor looks like he, he's qualified yeah. now, is he? Or soon? Yeah. And given the fact that we haven't got a seven, that's why Rob Shaw keeps playing. Like, you know, then yeah. he could be coming in, but we shall see. Anyway, that's Eddie Jones. He's got yeah. quite a amount to climb. He'll probably, he'll probably keep his captaincy. We've got... Uh, I think Rob Shaw will probably keep his captaincy. I think he's got it for the Six Nations because nobody else is putting their hands up. Which he, he needs to sort out back row. We haven't got time to talk about it now, but he needs no. to sort out back row. He needs Maybe to play him at six. That's all I'm saying. Play Rob yeah. Shaw at six. Well, because and... he's a world, he's a decent back row. People, yeah. this revisionism that he's a terrible player is unfair. Yeah, he's not. He's really not. He, but yeah, yeah he's, we'll he's just limited. But there's there's no there's no crime in that. No. So so that's that. He needs to sort the back row out as well. He needs to decide. He needs to pick a ten and stick with it. Yeah, which I hope he will do, and he needs to pick a midfield pair he that does doesn't indeed. involve Brad Barrett. Yes, that, I'll that's... take anybody. In the <laughs> Honestly, I will take anybody. Do you know what I was thinking about the midfield thing? Get Anthony weirdly... Allen back out of retirement and pick him. I'll take anybody <laughs> over Brad Barrett. I, I literally, I was thinking about the midfield combinations, and and Brad Barrett didn't even actually. I forgot he existed, which is kind of how I feel like he's contributed to England in the last couple of years, really. But. Yeah, does a job for Saracens though. So yeah, and while we mention that, another classic bit of broadcasting link there. Oh, Let's talk about the smooth. results from the weekend in the European it's, Champions Cup. It's been a pretty remarkable. Well, it's been a very interesting first two rounds, hasn't it? I mean, interest. Well, interesting is one word. It's been yeah. it's been a very good first few rounds of your English. Yeah. If and and it's been interesting for everybody else. If by interesting you mean shit. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the story so far, the big one, has got to be Wasps. I mean, oh, to back, up, isn't it? To back up that, that win against Leinster last week with that performance against Toulon, um, it's, it's, it's got to be up there with the most impressive feats in the history of European rugby. I mean, nobody yeah. had them even getting out of the pool. No. And while there's still a lot of rugby to play, they're, they're well in the driving seat now. Like, bonus points are going to be so hard to come by in this pool. It's, am I... So, Am, am I a bad person for hating how well they're doing? <laughs> a little because bit. honestly, I wanted that move to the Traitor Dome and all that to fail miserably. And I know that's a horrible thing to say, but I hate I hate I think, that, I think the whole just, stench just, of it. Yeah, I, I think the, your feelings are shared by a lot, and I didn't like it either. I think it's it's it was distasteful at best. However. Yeah, it's, it's a results it's, game, isn't it? It's yeah, paying yeah, off yeah. in yeah. terrifyingly good ways. I mean, that back line is outrageous. Like, Wasp fans need to really appreciate Piotr while they can because... Yeah, he's off to Ulster. Spe- he? Yes, he is. And Ulster literally can't wait to get him in after the weekend, I would well, imagine. Judging by but, Friday night, yeah. Well, exactly. Well, let, well let's, let, let's go. You've already talked about Wasp. So let's, yes. Which was an incredible performance against the long team. Um, who looked out of sorts really do you think this like kind of three wins on the bounce and now it's a bit well what am I going to you know it's got to drop off sometime hasn't it well exactly I mean 
I think the best thing that could happen to the Champions Cup is somehow Toulon not getting out of that group. Like, I, you, they will get better. Mm. Like, they've got Drew Mitchell coming back, they've got Gitto coming back, and they've got my fucking Nanu turning up this week. Mm. Um, like, but a team with the resources that they've got does not get a pass for having a few internationals missing. They just didn't turn up, and Quay Cooper was textbook bad Quaid, which. <laughs> Where he he tries all these stupid little offloads and in a game when you're already getting up, battered, exactly, and he, it's and not he ends working. Up hurting his so team. I'm going to force it forever, force exactly. it more. That's the way and, to go. And that's what you get with him. And so I, I don't I don't think they can get out of this pool if they're going to persist with Cooper at ten, because he'd be brilliant at times, but he'll lose them games as well. I really don't know why anybody would spend that amount of money on him. No, I find it, it baffling. For all his talent, what is he going to give you for that amount of money? Yeah, he's box office when he's yeah. on. He's on it, but he's had too many games where he's bad. But if you were to take the kind of money ball approach, you know, undervalued and overvalued players. Oh yeah, he's a classically he's, he's a classically overvalued player because he looks like he should be very good, and in yeah. fact, really, generally, he isn't. No, and you've only got to look at the fact that he barely got on the field for Australia in the World Cup. You know, yeah. they preferred Bernard Foley, who's a much, much more limited player. But yeah. he does the job, and he doesn't make mistakes, and he doesn't fuck up. And, and yeah. Checker had his number, basically. exactly. But like so that was that was Wasp, which is an incredible performance. Um, going back to the Friday Ulster, who yeah. look all 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 shades of outer sorts, don't they? Well, and Saracens, thing, who it? look all shades of non-stop, you know, relentless. Oh, this boring though, relentlessness. Isn't it? Uh, I said, um, I, I said, you know. George Orwell in the book 1984 when Winston Smith is in Room 101 the actual Room 101 not that daft show on telly <laughs> and, the, and the guy from the party whose name I can't remember you know, says, says to Winston what do you imagine the future to be and he says well I don't know and he says well I'll tell you what the future will be it's a boot stamping on a human face for the rest of time Exactly. That's what the future is that is Saracens and that just every time I see Saracens play they're that like is the, all I think they're they're like boot the stamping on they? a human face Yeah, yeah they're just Ruthlessly, like I just I don't know what's going on with the Irish teams this year. I mean, we sort of touched on it briefly with Wasps, but like, what is going on there? They've been uniformly not very good. Like Munster are the only team now that has any hope in hell of getting out of their pool, and they struggled to a bonus point win against Treviso at home. Is is this not a symptom like in Wales of this kind of everything's about the national team, which is which is fine as an approach, but ultimately. You know, when you've got situations where an Australian hooker is gets a contract saying, "Sorry, mate, you can't have a contract because we've got a young lad who needs to come in and play." I think that's this part of it, but more than anything else, I think, like, basically, the Champions Cup was designed by English rugby to stop the Irish from winning it all the time. Like they've been quite, <laughs> they've been quite forthright about that, and and fair enough because with the way that qualification and everything used to be done like it was a bit skewed wasn't it it was massively skewed because the irish internationals and their top players literally just played in the heineken cup and didn't play in the pro 12 and maybe played like two or three games a season there whereas the english players and the french players had to slog their way through an entire domestic season and go and it was the same with the welsh teams because they didn't have the resources to actually you know rest half their squad until you needed to go to to play in europe or whatever and now things have been evened out a little bit I mean arguably they're now tipped in favour of the English teams because of the amount of 
of money. But isn't it isn't it amazing? Ever. Isn't it isn't it amazing how a group of players, England, you know, that was roundly castigated as so bad six weeks ago, are now smashing it around everywhere in Europe now. Well, I think, and even the teams that aren't playing that well are winning. But the thing is, you look at the players that are that are really shining, and they're players that, you know, Farrell aside, mm. a lot of these who is playing players, absolutely brilliantly. By he the is way. playing fantastically. But the players that are standing out are players that weren't involved in the England setup. It's Joe Simpson. It's you know, Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes. So don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security. And together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. As a, if, as a textbook example, Elliot Daly, you know. If, 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 any, if any, how anybody can believe that Richard Wigglesworth is better than Joe Simpson is Staggering. so baffling as to require a you know a hard drive of such capacity that even the shit good computer would struggle with it well exactly i mean you'd, you'd ask that question to deep thought and he'd get back to, <laughs> he'd get back to you indeed but, it is it is unbelievable but yeah the english team's doing well i mean moving on to english team doing well benetton treviso 3 leicester tigers 36 2300 people at that game <laughs> Was it an Ospreys crowd? Did you bust oh, them over there? God, I tell you what, that's not a good. I mean, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't Italy in the pissing rain. They probably didn't have a chance of winning. But I mean, where yeah. do Italy go with they getting crowds like that? Yeah, what that's really not that? good. Is it? I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, Pro Twelve attendances are not great, but I mean, even the Welsh regions managed to get about seven, eight thousand through the door. Yeah. Saying that, there was only seven thousand at the Liberty Stadium for Ospreys Exeter a couple of weeks ago. So. Yeah. So anyway, that was an easy win for the Tigers, as you'd expect. Yeah. Or they are playing decent rugby this year. They are actually. I think that they, especially when Major, Major's doing something with them. Yeah, and and you look at the recruits they've got to come in. You know. Oh, Matt Tamua, man. Oh. Matt Tamua and Jean de Villiers. That's that's not a bad midfield, is it? I mean, even old creaky Jean de Villiers is probably better than. Well, for as long as he lasts for. Well, exactly. When he's in Ward Forty Seven for most of the season, <laughs> when he was good, will he? <laughs> God, look, sorry, John. You're a class act, but you know, really. Um, so that was that. Bath nineteen, Leicester sixteen. That was uh, the next game that was up. Yeah. Bath probably. Well, Bath were crap. They were just. And lucky they still to... beat Leinster. 
they, yeah, I mean, Leinster have got that whole post-imperial malaise thing going on now for me. It's like Sexton was supposed to come back and reinvigorate everything, and then you know the returning hero and all that shit, and and he's not really. I mean, it's starting to look like There's a leadership problem. I think. Yeah, a leadership start... problem in the entirety of Irish rugby, actually. Yeah, well, their their two best leaders have both now retired. And and you struggle to see where it's coming from, don't you? Yeah, and you notice like, that the game against Argentina in the World Cup, you thought there's there's nothing here. No, exactly. There's no one here who can grab all of them all and say fucking pull yourselves together well, and sort yourselves out. Remember when Jamie Heaslip got the captaincy for about five minutes, and then <laughs> everybody realised he was a terrible captain and gave it to Paul O'Connell. Yeah. And like he's now, I mean, who the hell's going to be Ireland captain now? Are they going to give it back to Heaslip after he's proved that he's not a good leader? He doesn't seem to say much, Jamie Heasley. It's like he's mute. He's a weird player. He should carry a blackboard around on his neck and write what he wants in chalk, you know, like an old, like, mute kid from the... Anyway, I'm probably being unfair now. Uh, So, I'm probably being unfair. Of course I'm being unfair. I've been my entire blog on being unfair. Speaking of which, if you do want to have a look at the blog, it's bloodandmud.com. You can find us on Twitter at bloodandmud. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud if you search for Blood and Mud. You can also find it on iTunes. Uh, search of blood and mud again or under rugby where do we find you Josh indeed if you're that level of pedantic weird rugby shirt like then you can just go to rugbyshirtwatch.com or at rugbyshirt on uh, Twitter in, uh, Instagram and all of those places you've just reminded me on that what the fuck is that Scarlet Awake it all about Jesus Christ imagine Don't... Samson Lee's napper I cannot perched aw- perched atop I that wait. thing I'm so excited that orange that. pink it's, it's it's like a weird cocktail that you get in a really shit club and you don't want to know what's in it but there's all sorts of weird colours going on and then you're smashed and then when you do find out what's in it it's, it's half a shot of vodka and a load of food colour <laughs> exactly but anyway we'll, yes. we'll, do, we'll, we'll maybe do shirts one week but not this week. but yeah that is horrific have a look everyone it's absolutely horrific indeed um, next up was Toulouse 24 Ironax 18 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I, I'll be honest right I know nothing about Ironax the only thing I know about Ironax is that they sound like a character from Asterix yes uh, and I also know that uh, Bristol legend Joel Abd went out to play for them um, when they were still in the Division 2 and Nicky Robinson uh, now plays for them as well does he? he, uh, oh. he does indeed did he get any, any game time? did I miss that? Uh, I've, got, I've got literally no idea um, with the greatest respect to Ironax yeah <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow Warriors 15 Northampton 26 oh god that was a bad game it was an awful game wasn't oh it? god it was just like one for it, the purists as they say translation really, this is utterly shit. shit it was like people with bricks tied to their hands just smashing themselves <laughs> in the face like nobody did anything looking in the mirror and punching themselves exactly no one did anything good in that game it's just somehow Saints managed to end up on top they, they looked all right, but what's happened to George North? Seriously, well, I think. Like, well, I mean, literally, literally, and I'm using the word literally in its correct sense. His head's gone. Yeah, but I think I don't even think his head's gone. I just think, like, he looks so tentative, and it's understandable. But like, who can blame him for not throwing himself into tackles and into contact when he knows that he's one bad head knock away it's, from being retired at 22? It's that, it's that cutting inside thing. Yeah, that's, we... that's the biggest indicator of how his confidence is shot to shit yeah. because he doesn't just put his head down and go for the corner because he get there 
I mean, in the World Cup, you saw he got there. He'd done it the other yeah. week in whichever Northampton game it was, I can't remember, but he, he, he had one the other week where he had a chance just to put his head down and go. He cut yeah. inside. Oh, that's the one. That was last week when he, when he stamped on the bloke's head and got the yellow card. Yes. You know, we could have solved on that if he just put his bloody head down, but it's, it's well, really exactly. worrying. Yeah, and I, I really, I really hope that like it's actually it's genuinely thing, sad. It really is. Person, He's twenty-two as a years fan, old. It's genuinely very, very sad. But like, we can't write him off. Sure, no. he's going to get better. I, I hope that with every game that he plays, he he feels a bit more confident and a bit more of his old self. Every and... day, in every way. So you're going to do that there. I'm getting stronger in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next up was Scarlet's twelve, Racing twenty nine. It all oh, came God. down to earth with a bump, didn't it? With it did. we were, in our in our abandoned podcast from last week. We talked about how fun the Scarlets were always going to be to watch, and how they looked mm. like they'd really turned a corner. And on reflection, I'm quite glad that didn't go yet, out now. Yet more that evidence little... that I don't, or we don't, and I certainly don't really know what I'm talking about. No, exactly. <laughs> but it did look like they turned a corner this season. But it, I, I honestly, you get the feeling that like. What a difference a few weeks made because we were talking in the last podcast that did go out on when they lost to Leinster in the Pro Twelve about yeah, what a good what a team they team looked. Like, yeah. well, there you go. But they're looking like a team that made hay while other teams got pillaged for internationals, and now they've come to the shop and they've they've got nobody. I mean, look at the players that were playing for them. They had like like players I'd never heard of playing in in starting in like Ali Thomas and, and Daniel Jones and Gareth and they had the fattest I mean, uh, prop I've ever seen <laughs> I can't remember which one it was but he was so fat that was probably I mean not even like slightly well props to have a bit of timber on him he was properly a big fat get yeah but Phil then, John is a is a, a hangover from a from a, a more simple age and a, spe- a more speaking of age. big fat gets yes Exeter 34 Bordeaux 19 did you see the size of the Bordeaux players uh, no did you I see that I've, game they're unbelievable. Pl- they're absolutely unbelievable. It's like they've been on, on a foie gras drip. Oh God! In the preseason, they're absolutely massive. See, you and say that. Been... We've got to go out and play them in, in a couple of months' time. I'm not looking forward to that. Excellent, look very handy though. Extra yeah. looking a decent team. They were very bad against the Ospreys, like really bad. And I thought they must be a better team than how they played at the Liberty Stadium a couple of weeks ago because they were shocking. And. Clearly, they are. Uh, Claremont Auvergne versus Ospreys. I'll let you have this one as an Osprey oh, fan. When is a I when mean, is when is a loss not a loss? It's it's like, I mean, this has been a bad season for the Ospreys, right? Like, we before the Champions Cup started, we'd won two games. So been going for about games. ten minutes. Calm down. Calm but like, down. But we'd won two games out of like seven, and they were both against Italian teams, and we'd lost at home to Connacht. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. But like the last couple of weeks have, have pleasantly surprised me in the fact that we're not shit. Like, yeah. I think there's something I mean, to be pa- taken from that game. Massively, not- I was delighted. At, like, if you'd have told me at the start of the game, you're going to lose, but you'll get two bonus points out of it. Yeah, so well, it's not I a loss, is it? Delighted. When is a well, loss like, not a loss? That's that's it's, that's, it's a, that's a draw. You yeah, know, that's if, two yeah. points for a draw. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, yes, some of the tackling of of Strettle, like. Was very very bad. Like it's like he had some sort of opposite magnet to the Ospreys team. The way that they were all sort of just like flailing at him. Like it was the strangest thing. Yeah, when you watched yeah. it. And this one is the worst. The more you watched it, the worse it got. Oh god! In yeah. slow replays, motion or in real motion, the it was like, what, what are you doing? I know he's wrong footed you slightly, but honestly, that's the thing. It's like someone just because someone steps doesn't mean you all have to fall over. 
It was oh, quite. Uh, so like, yeah, so, but yeah, go on. Yeah, to score two tries in five minutes at the Marshall Nicholson, like twice, and to do it the second time with a minute to go with fourteen men, like that's fantastic character. I, I'm as an Osprey fan, a, I was absolutely delighted. There was a magnificent ramshackle comedy try in the middle of it as oh, well. Was everyone was hacking the ball up, volleying it, and everything like when, kids yeah. in the playground. When the Clermont winger basically just appeared like he wanted to stop and pull out a. Galois and have a fag rather than dab it down, and it was like he did. He did, a, he did the Ian Evans, Rory Underwood uh, maneuver. <laughs> he absolutely there did. Going, oh, there's nobody chasing this ball. I could just wander back gently to get. <laughs> exactly. Oh shit! Where did he come from? <laughs> that was comical. Anyway, uh, Stade Francais was called off, obviously, but and, yeah. then we, and we've done wasps for that. That was European Champions Cup. Entertaining games, though, in the main. Really, I think. like I think I, I said earlier, like I think Toulon not getting out. Like what? I I love the rugby that's been on display since in. The Champions Cup in its two seasons of existence has been great. Like the quality is fantastic. However, but it's no better than the Heineken Cup, though, is it? It wasn't. Well, this no, new structure's course. not created better rugby. No, just, it definitely hasn't. But it like, was just a shift in a cash on the spreadsheet, basically. Of course, it was. But like, there's a there's a bit of an there's been a bit of an inevitability about European rugby over the last couple of seasons, isn't there? And it's like, yeah, no matter what happens, it will all shake out. That it will be Toulon versus. One of Saracens, Claremont, yeah. Saints, or or one of the Irish yeah. teams yeah. in the final, and Claremont will win because they've got the most money, and you know Too that's long. the way. And Claremont wished he could win because they had the most money. Well, exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah. So if somehow, like, it's yeah, it has made it more interesting. There's like, a chance if, to see some people at the business end that we haven't seen for a while. Exactly, and and, and uh, if if and we had, Toulon could not we, get. How funny will it be if Toulon don't get out of the group, though? Can you imagine how angry Bougelard's going to be? Like, well, he'll sell the club, they, won't he? Or he'll he blow it up. Will. He'll he do something will. like, like that, won't he? They lose he'll move a it game. to Morocco. He'll do a yeah. wasps. He'll move it to Morocco or something. <laughs> but that's the thing. They lose a game and he threatens to like leave the league and you know assassinate <laughs> the body of Charles de Gaulle or well, something. I, but like, well, yeah. I, as as a man who's not in, unencumbered by ego, I'll be honest. I I I. I, I, I Bujalal's ego is 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 a one is a wondrous thing. Like, you can a, almost sit and watch. Hilarious. You can see his ego around him as he's actually on the television. It is, but he might as well just do press conferences where he just goes, "Me, me, 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 yeah. me, 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 me." <laughs> Every look at me. He's look at all. Look at what I have done. Exactly. Look at me. Look at all my money. And look at what I can achieve. But yeah, yeah. well. We'll see, but it'd be great they don't get out. Of the, the, and there's a there's a chance they might. They've got a they've got some games at home coming up, though, haven't they? But I think so. They have, but like I said, bonus points in that group. They're going to be yeah. hard to come by. And true. Yeah. Okay, so leaving aside the Euro weekend, then uh, it's back to it's it's back to the domestic seasons uh, this week. Um, yeah. Uh, we haven't got time to cover them now, but maybe we'll look at them again next week. Um, let's move on to a completely different subject here: the subject um, of doping. Yeah, it's uh, it's it first appeared in the press last week, didn't it? And um, as we're recording now, actually, I believe there's some sort of BBC Wales special report thing going on about it. And I mean, it's let's let's get down to the nitty gritty here. A third of all players who are currently banned in for doping in the UK are Welsh rugby players. Is and that just in rugby, or is that in players full stop? As players full stop. Sports in Welsh Rugby League or Union, isn't it? It's across, yeah, it's, across it's, the it's, two it's, of them. It's mainly league, a couple of Union boys as well, but a third of all of the athletes currently banned for doping in the UK are Welsh rugby players. And that, that is startling, uh, isn't it? Martin Phillips, the uh, WIU head honcho, said today that he didn't 
think that like there's a disproportionate amount of doping because rugby players get tested more than players in other sports but I think that's dreadfully naive like the thing is the sports don't seem to learn either because what I've seen today is both the head of the WRU as you say and, and the other mm-hmm. guy come out and did exactly that say that that apologist kind of line that we do all we can and we do all we can this is the stuff that Paul Kimmage the famous angry Irish um, mm. anti-doping journalist goes absolutely crazy about this is the stuff that really makes his blood boil it's not doping I think he can live with doping Kimmage and all those stuff I don't know the guy but he can't what he can't live with is the mealy mouthed apologism and qualifying that yeah. comes out from sports when it, when it when it actually comes out instead of saying we have a systemic problem here and we need yeah. to address it and it's like how can you we're a sport where the primary aim thanks to professionalism and all that is now to be the biggest and strongest person you can be. So of course there's going to be players who are looking to take shortcuts. That's just common sense. Well, if you're told like, you're not big enough, it even happens in football now. You know, people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Danny Kerr get asked to leave Sheffield Wednesday because he wasn't big enough. Something like that. Yeah. And, uh, which and is if, silly. Uh, Craig Chalmers' um, son, I didn't realise he was a fly half like him. He's banned because he tried yes. to bulk up. And is it? You know, it seems to me when you read a lot of the reports. Uh, not all of them, but a majority of them. It's just stuff. It's this kind of, you know, the big tub of powder, which is yeah, mostly probably suspicion. just sugar and, you know, icing sugar and sherbet anyway, that gets passed around. Or oh, try this, it's all right, it's safe. Yeah. And, like, I, personally, I think the root of the problem that then I hope this documentary that's on tonight talks about is is, is the gym culture in the South Wales Valleys. Like, mm. there's, <laughs> there's an entry in the Phanosaurus. Like I, I'm from Aberdeer, right? Which is a town in the Welsh Valleys, and there's an entry in Viz's fine tome, the Phanosaurus. Go on. About an Aberdeer Tic Tac, which is a noun <laughs> for an anabolic steroid tablet after the South Wales town where every young man between the ages of 19 and 24 eats them like sweets. And I can tell you that you only need to go down Weatherspoons on a Friday night to see that that is bloody true. And I can also tell you that you will not be allowed to go down to Weatherspoons on a Friday night in Aberdeer anymore because they'll Jesus bat you after saying that. Don't even, don't even ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, they they don't care. Like, if you talk yeah. to any of those massive, you know, neck as thick as a tree trunk, tight T-shirted buggers down there, and God bless you boys, uh, please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> but, like, they don't, they're quite happy to say that they they enhance themselves because it's it's not about... You know, wanting to be sportsmen, they they juice because they want to look good, because they want to get ripped as fuck, because that's what mm. girls like, and yeah, you know, and I think well, they think you know... girls like, and and that's kind of that endemic culture. When you consider that the majority of like amateur and semi-professional players in Wales have grown up in that environment, not in the sort of academy environment where it's like, be really careful about your supplements. You know, don't have any supplements that we don't directly give you. Blah 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 blah, and and where. You know, you're in this environment where any supplement, you know, like you say, they're passing it around the room and say, "This is good, it's fine, yeah. try it." And where you know steroids and HGH and all it's, that sort of stuff is is it's, it's not it's just noticeable. common; it's encouraged. It's noticeable. I'm not saying this, and I'm not inferring anything by this. But a load of lads have been banned from Merthyr since Andy Powell turned up. <laughs> now that's one of two things: one, Andy's brought the goods with him. Or two, they've taken one look at Andy Powell and gone, look at the fucking size of him. <laughs> exactly. They've, they've looked at Andy Powell's abs and gone, boys, we've got some yeah. work to do here. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was well on track. And then the Powell, the Powell master turned up. Whatever his nickname is, I've got no idea what his nickname is. Legend, um, that's what his name is. <laughs> that's, yeah, the king, that's his nickname, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, 
the Nicole Sapstead, who's the chief executive of the UK Anti-Doping Agency, has said clearly, in her view, when asked the question directly, that the sport most at risk is rugby union. Of course it is. Unequivocal. Most at risk. And it is at that lower level, is it? Because at the top level, if you are going to do it, I'm not saying they are, you've got doctors, you've got people who can manage it. And you've got the money to afford the stuff that isn't going to be detected, yeah. to be quite honest with you. Whereas you've got all... It's these players that are on the fringes. It's the boys that have been washed out of the academy or who never got there anyway, who have been told they're not big enough or they're not quick enough or, you know, they just... And they, they think that they just need that little edge, that yeah. little bump to get them noticed the, by, the, by a professional club, is, and they're I, fine. I don't think that rugby's ready to deal with it, because if you look at uh, Lauren Benazek, who was a former France prop, who basically said, I, wanted, I think when he retired, he said, yeah, my club, we, you know, we did this, we did that. He got sued by the club. Yeah. And so in terms of like, you know, how are you going to police this, how are you going to sort it out, he got sued by the club. And, 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 and the, the union were nowhere around, you know. Yeah, and nobody wants to talk about it because, you know, there are uncomfortable questions to be asked about how rugby players have got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over the last 20 years. And a lot of it is down to nutrition, training and all that sort of stuff. And, and I hope it's all down to it. I truly do. But, like, it's, well, it's, it's, not, so, it? it's, it's, it's so hard to believe as a sort of... Even as a massive fan of rugby union, it's it's really just as a sensible human being with a rational mind. It's hard not to think that some players haven't cut corners somewhere, yeah. you know. And, and well, I just don't think we we want to talk about it because we yeah nobody wants well, to be the next cycling or athletics, do they? No. Well, watch this space. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's 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 yeah. it's worrying, especially for Wales. All we can say is, you know, pros aren't getting caught yet, are they? But we'll see. Okay, so that that's doping. Indeed. Anybody got an experience of doping out there at Blood and Mud? Have you seen it? Have you, you know, taken part in it? Maybe don't mind telling us. Maybe let us know. Is it as bad as we think it is? Because I think it could. Well, we think it could be quite bad at that lowest level, particularly in Wales. Yeah. Maybe you've got definitely. some experience out there. Um, let's move on to slightly jollier things. Or well, it's not jolly if you're this person. But let's let's move on to the uh, <laughs> how the hell did he get a cap? Um, we've had some some classics. We've been talking about who to, who should go in, and I'm desperately trying every week to not. Uh, keep going back to England in the mid two thousands and late two thousands, <laughs> but I find myself though. drawn there like a, like a moth to a shit stinking flame. Um, and this week we're going to have a look at the uh, the, the Bristolian leg end oh. that was the scrum half, Sean Perry. See, I I like Sean Perry. Like I watched quite. I live in Bristol. I watched quite a lot of Bristol, and as a club player, he was perfectly good. However. <laughs> Like he, okay, he wasn't perfect. He was serviceable. He was a decent club player. Jo- but join like, us while Josh Gardner damns you with fake praise. <laughs> but like, he was a no good way. club player. Yeah, God. yeah. But like, there's no way. Like something has gone badly wrong somewhere along the line when you are fully Mr. Burns bald by the time you get your first cap. You know. Yeah, this isn't the seventies. You know what I mean? This exactly. Like. That something has gone like you know fair enough people lose their hair at different times and I'm not saying he was ancient but he was pretty much ancient by the time he got capped by England like yeah nobody... he was 27 I think yeah I mean god that's... And he, uh, but uh, and he, he had 14 caps in total 14 caps oh. 10 points and when I look back it's hard to understand I mean he had a decent period at Bristol when they had that yeah. decent period yeah but when you look back and watch it you can't you're still baffled as to what he actually did. I mean, his passing technique, 
was not unlike an osteoarthritic pensioner ten- attempting to you know assemble a wooden deck chair. That that's kind of what it looked like. That yeah. was the speed of it. He was. He like, made Mike Phillips look like Justin Marshall, didn't he? He was. <laughs> he did. Well, that's true. That's not even a wind up. And then, and he didn't. He didn't even. He went to the World Cup of two thousand and seven. He played in that legendary hiding that we Ooh. took against South Africa, and then never played again. I don't think. I think he might have got injured when he came back, but he never played again. But he didn't actually do much before he was selected to start in a World Cup by Brian Ashton. It was. It was odd. He, he played in the 2007 Six Nations, came on as a sub against Ireland, threw a horrible interception which let Ireland <laughs> score. He was blatantly about 18 stone, it looked like at the time. He then lost he a shed load svelte, of weight. He? No. No. he then lost a shed load of weight and was starting in the World Cup in that, in that very odd 2017, which then got to the final. Everything about that period of English rugby. It's just is, weird, isn't it? It's just weird. It's like it's Twilight Zone stuff. It is, and and yes, he is definitely just one of those. I mean, he he did a good job for Bristol, and and fair play to him. You you know, you don't begrudge anyone's their caps he, once they've got them, but God, you you do scratch your head at thinking what the thinking was behind he, it. Sometimes he gave, he gave way to Andy Gomersall in that tournament. So I think the year before, the the year before, it had been like odd carrying or something because his career yeah. was virtually over. Another very strange. Although Gomersall was a, again a reasonable player, but it's when you look he, that entire set period of time every squad you look at you just go good god it's shit there was a, you know there was half of it is just, terrible yeah there were there were a lot of England players you know at that point who were just like I think there was an Ashton just assumed that a good premiership player would make a good international and so there were all these sort of you know Chantal well, there is that Rappe. kind of you know that will you know, this do selection criteria exactly. is never is never a good one to pursue, is it? Will, will that do? It look that looks all right. We'll go with that. Yeah. So there you go, Sean Perry, fourteen caps, fourteen caps. Never mind, how did he get a cap? Fourteen caps, <laughs> and he was uh, he was he was not not very good. Um, no. so, so so there you go, another one. I will try desperately. Please, can somebody give me somebody who isn't from the two thousand and five, two thousand and ten England team for next week? Or Wales, Wales, Wales circa two thousand and seven, because that's really Good easy call. as well. Yeah. Yes, the Gareth Jenkins. Uh, uh, that is his name, uh, isn't it, Josh? Yes, yes, I, I remember <laughs> his name now. Um, uh, you know, please, at Blood and Mud, give me a nomination for how the hell did he get a cap? <laughs> We're going to finish off tonight on a, another retrospective look back in one of our features, which is which is uh, you dirty get, which is where we look at you know exemplary and notable acts of foul play or downright awfulness on the, on the rugby field and and and, and celebrate it because we we have to be honest, you know half of us really we watch the game to watch somebody get punched or well exactly and this and this year we get an uh, this week rather I should say we get an awful lot for the price of one you dirty get. We do Let's... get an awful lot because it's not one play and it's an entire match. Cash your mind back. It's two th- for those of you out there. Cash your minds back. The year is two thousand and two, when England were good. I know that's a very hard time to remember. You know there was a time when it England really was is terrible. To me. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, you put it out of your mind completely. Yeah. Um, England versus South Africa at Twickenham in two thousand and two. Uh, England fifty three, fifty three. South Africa three. Now just let that have... sink in as a result for a second. They must have written that out in like words after it. Imagine if the other marketing campaigns they have now, what they do with that now. I know because I mean the stuff they create now and after bin it always ends up on Twitter embarrassing everybody. You know, it's, <laughs> that, imagine what that would be now. Um, it was described at the time this game, and it was and it was South Africa's uh, were the ones who were giving it you know, the the pasty really. They certainly uh, were. Yeah, 
Test rugby, this is this is Paul Kitson in The Guardian, Test rugby is a physical contact sport in England, like all top sides, fully understand the law of the jungle. Oh, yes. <laughs> there are legitimate big hits and there are gratuitous cheap shots, but no international touring team in modern times have crossed the line as blatantly as the Springboks did on Saturday. <laughs> well, let's be honest, though. It was They were a shit South African side. They'd lost yeah, to they Scotland were pretty bad. Brock James played for that team. Yeah, and he was a decent player, but whatever. Um... <laughs> But like the way that they chose to re- like reflect the clear golfing class between them and England was just like yeah by like killing played, everyone. Yes. Well, yeah, we've all played in games or watched games where one team is clearly better than the other one, and the team on the losing side takes the well if we can't beat them we just try to hurt them approach. But like it's rare that you see that between like two tier one test nations. But that's what it was. Like yeah, they but- basically gave up after they they got that red card. And like, if there'd yeah. been a sighting commissioner in those days, then half that team would have missed most of the Super Rugby. The, season. the red card, the red card. Those you don't remember. Look it up on YouTube. It's an absolute blinder to watch. Oh, the, red, the, the whole game. I mean, the, the red card was a uh, twenty-two minutes. Yanis uh, Labashagna. That's probably a terrible pronunciation. I do apologise. Labashagna uh, was sent off to twenty minutes for an absolutely hideous late hit on Johnny. Oh, Williams. it was awful. It was blinding in many ways, literally, probably. But it was it was awful. But he was sent off for that. And then they basically fell apart. Paul Ackford, who knows a thing or two about dishing out some pasty. He certainly does. Who famously once said, you know, don't send him off, leave him on. Because he wanted to uh, batter <laughs> somebody. Um, who dumb one on him. Said, South Africa were a shambles. A once-proud rugby nation reduced to a litany of late tackles and foul play. Well, it was the worst defender by... Because like, I remember it's Paddy Jackson was refereeing that day, wasn't it? And Paddy O'Brien. Uh, Paddy O'Brien, sorry, yes. Um, and he said Paddy Jackson's that, uh, a toddler-faced outside half. That's very true, that's very true. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he said that if he'd seen what was going on behind his back, he would have like sent four or five of them off, and that's probably being generous. Like, yeah, and there were shed loads of yellow cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was. Oh, what was his name? Um, Corne Kruya, who yeah, basically yeah. admitted after the game that like when they got that man sent off, like he completely lost it and <laughs> revved up by like the perceived arrogance of the English in their winning, which I can relate to somewhat. Um, well. He just spent the entire rest of the game trying to hurt people. Like, it's frightening, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I as read... much as I think it's too sanitised now to game, but a nobody bit, wants yeah. to go back to that. No. We all like to see a bit of self-policing, don't we? But what? but nobody wants to go back to that. Interesting, there were no yellow cards for England, although I did read afterwards that Paddy O'Brien said he was tempted to give one for cowardice in the face of the enemy. <laughs> I th- I read afterwards that like, Creer in his autobiography said that like he reckons that in that game he took two years off his career. Just right. by because he literally all he was doing was like every hit he was trying to put in, he was trying to injure someone, and so like he <laughs> was so phys- <laughs> he was so physically broken at the end of the game that he reckoned that he he, he took two years off his career. Uh, my heart bleeds for him. He's a dirty bastard. There's but, a lesson in I mean, there for it, and the moral of this story is yeah yeah. But interestingly, if you look back at that, that was an England were good, right? That was the fourth England victory in 29 months over South Africa. God, you'd take that these days, wouldn't you? I'd take that off Eddie Jones now, if he could, if he could give me that in three years. <laughs> that was that period up to the World Cup where we got to number one in the world because we beat everybody home and away. That was the famous 13 men in Auckland yes. game and all that period and all that kind of... What was it Martin Johnson said? When you were 13 men and New Zealand were on your line in a scrum, what did you, what did you say to inspire... What did you say to your players when you had the scrum? He said, push. <laughs> that was his inspirational words, push. Well, Josh... We'll leave. That's another one for you, Dirty Get There. Hope you enjoyed Indeed. reminiscing on that. Look it up on YouTube, honestly. I'm not joking. I, I might put it up Definitely. on Twitter after this. It's, it's um, vicious. 
so so there you go Josh it's been a pleasure indeed always a pleasure and always uh, a pleasure and hopefully we'll actually get a pod out this week that'd be nice wouldn't it and I do mean, something that, that even comes close or within you know the same country of acting like professionals uh, let's, let's not push it yeah I let's mean, not go too yeah. far shall we no I mean god right everybody we'll cool. try and get one up next week indeed but if we got this time thank you very much Josh indeed, take see care. you around see bye ya. buddy Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.